evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about writing challenges and other acts of intellectual masochism. Um, writing challenges, I is a is like unique to fandom to me. Um, I never participated in writing contests. Um, I started that one time when I was very young and I entered a poetry contest and I, I, I won and I was really surprised um, because I don't write poetry as a rule. Um, it, but I was very angsty at 14. So <laughs> shit happens. And I won and they sent me um, a $500 check. And so I went to my mom and I told her, I said, mom, I entered a poetry contest in that magazine you get me. Cause it was like writer's digest, which was what her contribution to my writing career, you know, besides my typewriter that she bought me, she got me a subscription to writer's digest because she thought like that was, and it was really helpful and thoughtful. And I really learned a lot from the writer's digest growing up. Um, but um, that was one of the things that she did for me when I was young. Um, I entered a contest in the Writing Digest for poetry. And she was like, okay, you're, you're very young, so it's okay that you didn't. I said, I won first place. And she said, oh. oh. Well, okay. I said, I'm going to be in an anthology. Um, we don't have to buy it uh, or anything. Um, they're going to send me a copy. And they sent me this check. And I gave her the check and her mouth dropped open. <laughs> she was like, they sent you a check for four. For, you're 14. They sent you a check for 500. I said, I don't think they realize how, how old I am. By the way, here's the contract. I need you to sign it so I can be published in the anthology. <laughs> Which ended up, uh, she had to call them because the contract was in my name. Um, and she said, yes, um, my daughter won your, um, your poetry contest. And um, uh, she can't sign the contract because she's 14. And they were like, okay, we'll send you a new contract. So they sent a new contract with um, that so that she could sign for me. And um, um, and my mom did buy like four or five copies and pass them around the family. So that it was really embarrassing. Um, but yeah. And then um, I, uh, I bought the, the only thing I bought out of the $500 that wasn't like clothes or just junk that 14 year olds buy is that I bought a second font cartridge for my typewriter <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very that's a very writerly kind of thing to do brothers it was absolutely a brother and um i had two i had a times new roman and a courier but i wanted one that was like it um i wanted a cursive one so i bought a cursive um cartridge for my brother typewriter <laughs> okay i don't know why it was just something I wanted at 14. Well, I mean... I mean, I also want a poetry contest at 14, so you give me a break. <laughs> well, when you spend, you know, when you're, when you're, at that time, you know, when all we had for type, for type stuff was the basic serifed fonts that the typewriters had. Um, the idea of a cursive, a cursive font is like, wow, I want that. I want something that, you know... It was so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> That's a way I to still make have it. That typewriter actually. Someone asked me that recently if I if, if I still had the typewriter. I do, and it still works. Yeah. I actually, you know, I actually think writing challenges are a um, an artifact of uh, of of the online the online life we have. Those things are so driven online because there were there was a couple of writers groups. Um, there was a big publisher who had kind of an amateur writing group called autonomy i don't know if you remember that and um Vaguely. they 
they did several, they did competitions and stuff and they would have writing challenges and they'd have like 36 hour write-ins and like all this stuff geared towards getting people writing more. And then they had these like um, challenges where people would post their works that their original works and people you know, members of autonomy would read them and either upvote them or downvote them. And whoever had, you know, the highest ranking at the end of the month would get published by, it was like somebody on the, on the level of Harper Collins. It was a big publisher. Um, I knew a guy who got published through doing that. They eventually shut that whole program down, I think. But I, so the, I think it is kind of a, and I think fandom kind of really runs with it and we go kind of like, we go all out, but I do think that the kind of these writing challenges are really a function of the fact that we have so much online and so much access to being with other writers and writers of a more of a similar interest than you can have in meat space because in meat space, it's really hard to get a group of writers together who are in the same lane. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you wind up, you know, with people who are really all over the place and sometimes not in a good way. Sometimes exposure to other from a very, very. I mean, you don't want to be a productive, um, a productive driven writer who loves to write at a, in, in, a, in a meat space uh, gathering with you know 10 people who have spent the last 20 years working on the great american novel and think every word that they have written is you know etched from pure gold so it, it's it's just if you've not met that writer you don't want to hmm. they are just too precious to breathe the same they're air they're condescending you. they're passive aggressive um they act like uh you're either a sellout or that you write trash. I actually had someone compare my work to, uh, he said, well, I really don't have time to read your kind of thing. You know, you know, dime novels. And before I could speak, someone said, well, so the, well, you know what? She does get paid to write and you don't. So you leave her little dime novels alone. <clears throat> and I was yeah. like, asshole. <laughs> But when the you know when the internet blew up and you had all of these you know online communities, you had the ability to get together with people who were like-minded, who were fiction writers, or narrow it down more, who were romance writers. And romance writers often had, especially early in the early days of online communities, had a lot of similar painful experiences interacting with other writers who weren't romance writers, which was being patronized, condescended to, told you weren't real writers. You know, so it made sense that people wanted to get together with people who were a little bit more like-minded. Um, now, where I do think diversity in a writing community is a good thing. I love that we have people who do poetry over on Just Write. I love that we have people who are focused a little bit more on the nonfiction, either they're bloggers or uh, they're, they do academic writing. It's about writing over there, right? It's not about a particular type of writing. Um, and I really like that. But sometimes there are times when you know, if, especially if you've had difficulty with people judging you for fandom or judging you for romance or judging you for whatever reason that you want to be in a space that is comprised of people more like you, you know, that do the same kind of thing you do and understand the, the tr struggles that you have with the kind of writing you do. And I think the internet allows us to have that. And then 
I think that from that sprang up, oh, you know what we should do? We should challenge ourselves because it is motivating and it gives us something to do and it gives us something to be, you know, we'll accomplish something, we'll, we'll finish. And there's, I think that's all true. I think it's true that challenges can do that. They can be very motivating. They can give you a sense of accomplishment. Um, some people only write and challenge. I saw a thing on Twitter where this um, it was a writer said, you know, you know, everybody's welcome. Sci-fi, you just like this is all the genres, and everybody's welcome. And um, he says, just be nice and don't mess with romance because they'll cut you. <laughs> word, baby, word. <laughs> And that kind of attitude comes from the fact that romance gets shit on a lot um, in all, all, in a lot of writing circles. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that it's the best-selling genre on the planet. And it's just... <laughs> and the only ones I think that probably get it as bad or a little bit worse sometimes are YA writers. Again, one of the biggest markets on the planet. It's like, why do we have to be such assholes? So it makes sense that people kind of started you know, gathering in like-minded groups, right? Now, we talked a little about another podcast about the dangers of siloing, um, which is why part of why we didn't want to do, like, a fandom-only space, because, and I have to keep disabusing people of the notion that Just Right is is for fandom writing, fan fiction. It's not, y'all, it's not. Everybody's welcome. Um, anyway, but... I think that writing challenges, there are people I know who don't write in any way outside of challenges. And they do 10, 12, 13 challenges a year. They sign up for bangs and whatever, every fandom they're in, they sign up for a bang. Um, or they do rough trade or they do something like rough trade or they do, they do nano and they do camp nano. And they use that challenge environment and the interaction with others around the challenge as their impetus to write. It is it is hugely factored into their motivation. Advent calendars, yeah. Um, someone asked in the chat room, how do they handle the stress? In the Toxic People podcast, we talked about stress and how it can be positive and negative and how even positive stress can have the same impact on your body. Some people thrive on stress. Um, and... Some people look at the stress of a challenge in a very positive way. It is challenging and exciting and they love it. So when you look at something and you say, oh God, like, okay, I have a cousin who likes to mountain climb. He sees a mountain and he is excited. He is so fucking excited. He can't wait to get started. He is unpacking his car right now with all his gear. Meanwhile, I'm exhausted and wondering when we're going to have a break. And we haven't even gotten started yet. So, you know, some people see a mountain as a challenge and others see it as an obstacle. I think that's true for challenges as well. You know, writing challenges um, like rough trade, like quantum bang, you know, um, just, just bang environments in general where there's lots of um, criteria you have to meet. In some cases, the more criteria somebody has to meet, the more excited they are. <laughs> Okay, I have to do 50K, and it has to be this, and it has to be this. Can, can I? And then sometimes, like, I had people on Rough Trade try to make challenges more specific. More specific. And we have a whole page of people who are, um, who have suggested really specific challenges for Rough Trade. Yeah, like, right down to, to like, making it prompt-based in a single fandom. Not only write this fandom, but write this prompt in this fandom. And so some people thrive on that shit. 
Now, I would never actually uh, structure a challenge on rough trade to be that specific because it's um, that's exclusionary. And that's not what we're about at rough trade. I think the closest I've ever come to like a really specific challenge that kind of excluded that that, that did exclude people um, was the Mulligan challenge, um, and that challenge was for rough trade participants because we had a lot of uh, things that had not been completed, and several people had asked for a do-over. Um, and I was like, okay, well, we'll just do a Mulligan, and you can finish something that you've written in the past on rough trade. Um, and because of the way we do feedback and the way we restrict our audience on Rough Trade, we had to say that you couldn't have published it anywhere else. Because how am I supposed to maintain the wall if you've got this thing up on AO3? Yeah. And Although that was a little exclusionary. And I honestly would not do another Mulligan challenge because of it. Because I, we actually had somebody on Facebook tag both me and Jilly and tell me that tell us that we had ruined her life. Because she could not participate in the Mulligan challenge. Remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but actually, I think I think probably the, actually the, the most exclusionary is uh, was the, the 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 single fandom challenge, the Harry Potter challenge. Really? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that because I it's not like we get so many. We do get a, if we do get a few new people. We had a lot of people participating, and a lot of them were new. Um, but we get a few new people every time. Um, but not as many as I think, not as many existing people as who sat out the Harry Potter challenge because they don't write Harry Potter. But I didn't see anybody expressing any being butthurt about it. So, but I do think that, I do think that was the most exclusionary challenge. I mean, more so than the mulligan. Hmm. Except, well, except for the fact that you could conceivably stretch, you know, even if you don't usually write Harry Potter, you could. Whereas if you had never participated in Rough Trade before, you couldn't participate in that. So in that sense, but um, you know, not everybody wants to write Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't right now. Um, I don't even know how we stumbled across doing a Harry Potter challenge, to be honest. I don't remember the um, the conversation that took place. I don't think there was one actually. I think that was one where you said, We're going to do a Harry Potter challenge. We're going to call it, call it magic. And you had a banner. And I was like, Okay. And I started, <laughs> I sat down and started plotting. I was like, Okay. I just don't remember my thought process on that at all. I think I remember looking at the most popular fandom on Rough Trade, like trying to find what was the most popular, um, like statistically, what, you know, statistically speaking. Um, and I think that Harry Potter won that by a landslide. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. It's I think that's me. probably what it was. I mean, I just don't remember. It's It's been a while, y'all. I slept since then. Yeah. I mean, by that measure, um, it was also, we had the most, by almost 50, like, what was it? Almost, easily a third, almost pushing half of the Quantum Bang stories were Harry Potter. But, you know. I think we had 81 participants during Call It Magic. And yeah, a lot of them huge. were new. It was huge. A, a lot, lot of them. A, a lot. We had a lot of first-time participants because, um, if I could do it over again, I would still want to do a magic-based challenge, but I wouldn't have restricted it to a single fandom because there are other magical fandoms. And um, I mean, yeah, but that's one of the that's part of the intellectual masochism part of challenges. Sometimes you don't see 
the of running challenges. Sometimes you don't see the pit the the, the pitfall in it until it's over with or until towards the end of it. Um, the biggest example I could think of of that was last summer. Um, we were almost all of us struggling and none of us knew why. And all of a sudden Kira goes, do you realize we structured a whole challenge out of rewriting the falling action? And I double birded, I double birded her. I did. I double birded her. I mean, because I it was her. true. And it, I was like, how the fuck did I do this to myself? Falling action is my She's like, you're like, I hate it. I hate falling action. Why am I doing a whole challenge around falling action? I'm like, I don't know. But I will say that even though it was very challenging, um, that I really enjoyed the two stories I got out of it. Yeah, I liked I liked the two stories um, that I started. I almost finished one. But my issue was is that I was really struggling around that falling action space because I kept trying to stay within the realm of what the what the tail end for me i think probably maybe i was being too literal i don't know i was trying to stay within within the events that happened at the end of the movie um so i did that with the aliens one but i backed it all the way up to the hotel with terminator and i think that made a difference in the story because i controlled when the falling action started instead of starting in the falling action yeah whereas both of mine i started in the falling action and so it just, and the thing is, if I'd, I think if if I if we'd thought about that ahead of time, I probably could have had a better mitigation plan. But as it was, I just felt like I was flailing. Um, so I just kind of I just fizzled on both stories. I got I got like to the last chap chapter on one, but I would actually rather deconstruct the one that I got to the to the almost. I think I was only like two or three scenes from the end. Um, I'd rather deconstruct it and rewrite it than put it up as is because I just. I just wasn't happy with where my termination point was. So mm -hmm. in order to move the termination point, I would have had to have replotted. So, um, yeah. But a, a natural outcome, I think for some people, not for everybody, but for some people, an outcome of participating in challenges is that you want to run them. Not because you go, you know what I need to do in my life? What I want to do is I want to run a challenge and deal with a lot of complaints for a year. Um, no, that's not, that's, believe me, that is not the thought process. But what happens is, um, at least for me, a lot of times, it's like, I enjoy participating in challenges. I don't enjoy participating in challenges that are not run well. Um, <laughs> I mean, have my rules up front. Tell right? me what my parameters are. Don't change your rules on me. And if something is not going to be allowed, let me know up front. Um... Don't change the rules when I'm in the middle of writing or after I'm finished writing. Because that's bullshit. Uh, what am I supposed to do with that? That's I'm not writing bullshit. another one. Um, so I don't, as a rule, participate in challenges in fandom that I don't run. <laughs> hear that caveat? You hear that caveat that she doesn't run? Um. <laughs> It is not necessarily about control issues as it is about um, a safe creative space. Because I've learned just by watching others do it, which is why I've never participated in a bang until Quantum Bang, um, is that those environments can be really, really toxic. And I didn't want any part of it. Yeah. Well, I and they, they give you advice that is about building readership. Like, um, 
I participated, I participated in several where they like gave you posting tips. Like, you know, you can post how you want, but we recommend you post in this way, um, including tips about things like, um, not, not locking your AO3 to registered users because you'll limit the number of people who will read your story. And I just like, I, I don't know. I find that that is an environment off-putting. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. I just find that to be kind of, um, I don't like, I don't like going into a writing challenge and being given advice about how to make, um, sure my story reaches the maximum audience. I mean, it just, it feels very, I don't know, pandering maybe. That may not be the right word, but it bothers me. It feels like your writing challenge is being structured to please a reader. Yeah. I mean, just imagine if Rough Trade was a reader-centric environment. Ugh. It would actually be demotivating. Let me be fair. I mean, I, I have to say that uh, I have I have participated in a lot of challenges where, like, the person running the challenge tried really, really hard. They worked really, really hard. Um, but sometimes it doesn't matter how much you may like people or you may enjoy the challenge. Um, sometimes it's just not ultimately a good fit for you. And that's really key when it comes to participating in challenges. Is, is it a good fit for you? Um, and for some people, rough trade is a nightmare. They can't imagine it. I mean, yeah, which is fine. I mean, rough trade always occurs. It always occurs. You don't have to be part of actually participating on rough trade to effectively participate with the group because um, they're always rough trade is structured at the same time as either nano or camp nano. And there's usually somebody within the rough trade family of authors who has a cabin for people who want to who are either rough trade writers who want to participate, but not online. Um, and they want the, the, the social aspect and the companionship. They do a camp nano cabin and that's not just open to rough trade people. They usually announce it on the server and, and people can participate in that fashion. People can, sometimes people participate by posting on AO3 when they feel ready to post as opposed to posting on Rev Trade because they need more time to think about what they're going to post and maybe they don't want, I don't know. For whatever reason, Rev Trade, the, the act, that environment stresses them out. And that's fine. If it stresses you out, don't do it. But there are other ways you could participate with the social side of it, with the, with the, not social, the support side of it. The other writers participating in Rough Trade over on the Just Write server. And you don't have to post a thing, but you could be writing along with us. You know, you could use the sprints and stuff as, as your own motivation to get up and get writing and write during Camp Nano. And you don't have to post. You can still participate in your way and in a way that you feel comfortable without actually getting naked in front of. What is it? 12,000 people? I haven't even looked. Let me look. Do y'all really want to know? Let's see. I see. She gave I you mean, a number, so I might as well, yeah, we'll, we'll she's going to go we'll look. Get an accurate one. I'll think while she goes checks how many members there are. <laughs> so, 15. 15,000 people. 15,000 people. Sorry, y'all. Some people probably didn't want to know that. Um, and that's just the mem members, because there's people, there's probably another five or 10,000 people who read who don't. Who aren't members? Um, we can look at site stats. Is there? There's no way to tell how many people who aren't members read, is there? No, but um, I think that 
we have 15,000 members and if we have 20,000 people coming to the site during a a day that would tell us something. Yeah, it would. But you know, I used to um and this has nothing to do this I don't mean this in any way People have rules, their rules that make sense to them, and that's fine. But sometimes people's rules don't work for me. Um, so and I don't want to get like too specific about this, but I'm just going to just, I really, I participate a lot in some of the NCIS bangs. Um, I have produced quite a few, quite a few stories on my site were around that challenge. Um, I think the moderator of that challenge, the admin of the challenge, she works super hard. Uh, she works She's very nice. She's very helpful. But I shipped myself right into something that was not compatible with that challenge. And that is that I shipped Tony Tony. And it actually has become kind of a main pairing for me, at least in the stories I plot and the NCIS stories I want to write. Odds are, if it's not Tony um, Steve, if it's not my mothership, it's Tony squared. Um, and where that became an issue was I can't write. Tony and Tony um, with the same fucking name. Somebody has to have a different name. And it doesn't make sense to me that it would be Tony Stark would change his name. That would be, would go by a different name. I think he's like too high profile. It's just the way the character work happens in my head. And I think because I wrote If Found, where I had kind of a training ground for changing Denozo's name, I... Um, I, I had that experience of, of being okay with him going by a different name, even though he's my unicorn, but I can't get there with Tony Stark. So I don't change Tony Stark's name. I change Tony Dinozo's name. It would be weird to change Tony Stark's name because he's Tony fucking worldwide Stark. famous. Right. Okay. Um, so I have to go to WordPress to get these stats. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know why I was sitting here just waiting for it to do what it do its thing. Okay. So our average daily visitors, okay, for the month of November, our visitors were 43,000 for the whole month. 43,000 unique visitors? Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, the reason why that became an issue is that I shipped, I put myself in that corner, right? Why, what you think, okay, well, why is that a problem? Well, the problem is, is because while it's not explicitly stated, it turns out it, it's implicitly against the challenge rules to change Tony Denozo's name, his first name. That came up. It came up while I was in the middle of a challenge. It came up in, while I was in the middle of writing the sequel to If Found, where his name is Alex Shepard, not Tony Denozo. Um, and that's fine. That is a rule that's very apparently important to the to the moderator and the admin of that challenge, and that's fine. That's what works for her. She doesn't feel like the character is recognizable if his name is not Tony Denozo. That if he goes by his middle name, that he's not recognizable. And it's very important to her that nobody... And that's okay. If she wants to run the challenge that way, that is fine. I actually don't begrudge anybody wanting to run the challenge the way they want to run it. But it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. So that's why I don't participate anymore. Sometimes I'll participate as an artist, but I don't participate as an author anymore. Because I don't want to participate in a... It's still not a written rule, actually. We we were in the middle of the anyway. I don't want to like go get, get into all the details of that, but it was a it kind of came up while I was like writing the story that it was it wasn't okay for him to be Alex Shepard. So, um, anyway, so and that's and that's okay. I I mean it's one of those things like you wish you knew up front before you kind of had started down the path of writing a story, but you don't. And she doesn't she doesn't want 
non-Tony, not Tony's not named Tony in her in her in the challenge. And it's okay that she feels that way. And it's also okay that I feel hampered creatively by that decision. And so I But it should my- be a published, acknowledged rule. I agree. It should be. But um you know, so I'll still participate because I don't, I don't like, I don't like having an axe to grind with the challenge. So I still participate as a, as a, as an artist at times, but I won't participate as an author again because I am, um, I want to be free to call him Dom Rossi. I want to be free to call him Alex Shepard. I want to be free to call him Dom Denozo if that's what I want to do. I don't want to feel I can't use any of those ideas. Now, I actually will, I will agree that. An Alex Shepard who was raised Alex Shepard, who was never raised Tony Donoso, that wouldn't actually fit an NCIS-based challenge because the character really is then an OC, right? But if he, the, as a sequel to If Found, he still was Tony Donoso for 30-some-odd years. So it to me, it felt like it should have been okay, but it wasn't. And that's fine. That was the decision. And so I moved on. I do other things. And I don't want to feel like I can't write Tony Tony or I can't write an Alex Shepard story. So that's why I chose to not participate as a writer there anymore. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what a prairie fog is, but um, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, do they have fog, fog on the prairie? <laughs> So people create challenges, and sometimes they do. Um, I wouldn't say actually. I would. I don't want to. I don't think that there's a lot of. There's not a lot of like really stringent rules for the NCIS challenge. Um, that's the one that actually to me seems the most stringent. And it for people who don't who would never change his name, they wouldn't care about that. But it's it's a, it's an issue for me. But some I've seen some challenges where the rules are so rigid. Like, you know, you have to write from this list of like four fandoms. You have to write one of these pairings. You can have other pairings, but one of these pairings has to be present in your story. You have to do one of these, one of these genres. It has to be one of these genres, right? It has to, I mean, it's like, you don't have the option to write genfic. You don't have, I mean, it's just super, super specific. Um. And then in also the, I've seen the art really micromanaged. Like your art has to be, you represent X number of hours of work. And if we don't think it represents that many hours of work, it's not eligible. And it's like, whoa, dude. Okay. Wow. I mean, I get that they don't want sloppy artwork, but come on. How are you, how, how are you supposed to judge that? I mean, what would take you 10 minutes would take me four hours. <laughs> it all depends on the thing. Right. So <laughs> Um, I mean, this podcast isn't about bitching about other challenges. I mean, but we've, but there are experiences that we've had, um, in fandom that, um, that are relevant. Um, the, I guess I did a McShep match, which was interesting. Um, and I pinch hit for like a Christmas one for SJ for, for Stargate, um, SGA that was, but I don't really consider either one of them challenge environments. I mean, I don't know why. Honestly, I don't even consider the quantum bang a challenge. <laughs> I don't consider bang as a challenge. I mean, <laughs> is that rude? That's rude, right? I'm not sure why you don't consider them a writing challenge. 
I mean, I consider them riding events, but I don't know. I just are you, are you splitting hairs? Maybe, maybe I just it could be because you have a whole year. And it doesn't. But actually, for the whole year thing, the issue there is actually taking the year. Some people wait till the last month, That's or so and then they can't get anything done. And so, for some people, it's a matter of do they pace themselves? Do they get it done? Some people work the whole year at a steady pace. Some people. So I do think it's it is challenging actually to have a whole year because a lot of people, a lot of people, kind of combust around <laughs> that little structure. I mean. Because before the podcast even started, I thought, are banks challenges? <laughs> I actually thought that in my head. And then just when you, you brought it up, and I was like, are, are banks really challenges? But it, it's, it's me. It's me. I, um, I never really participated in a bank. Never, actually, until Quantum Bank. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the writing process. I enjoyed the secret of it, even though I bitch about the secret of it. I actually enjoyed bitching about the secret of it as well. Um, I enjoy keeping a secret. I, I, that's just something that really amuses me. Um, but I don't find the bang environment challenging itself. But it's a lot of people do. Yeah, I mean, and I and I totally respect that. It's just when when we were when I was thinking about the podcast before it even started, it's one of the first things I thought is a bang a challenge. But of course, it is right, but it isn't to me. And well, then I was it, wondering, it's not, are there it's people not, who don't think rough trade's a challenge? But there's there's the difference between something being a challenge and something being challenging to the individual. True. So I think just because you don't find it challenging doesn't mean that it's not a, a challenge. challenge. Yeah. It's just what before the podcast even started, I was I was ruminating on that. And um it's just like it's um but I mean I'm sure there are people on um, Rough Trade who don't find it challenging at all. And honestly, there are times when Rough Trade isn't challenging to me. Yeah, I agree. I, some of the some of them are more challenging than others. Like um, that 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 single POV challenge whooped my ass. And last summer it was a little it was a little harsh. But November yeah. of this year was a breeze. Yeah, sometimes rough trade is challenging and sometimes it's not. But it's always, but, to me, it's always, a, it's always a writing challenge. It's like, to me, anytime you get parameters, okay, where, to me, anytime there's a parameters, like, you're given, um, whether it's a fluff being a bingo of some kind, right? If there's some sort of definition around it, other than go sit down and write 10,000 words and turn it in, um, that it's a writing challenge. So whether it's a... I mean, a, I'll buy into that. I just, when I was just like, hmm... I was just having a little intellectual exercise with myself. And um, but yeah, short story challenges always whoop my ass. I mean, I would rather write a hundred K than be asked to write 20. But especially to be told I can't go over 20. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> I don't remember what which there was the year that rough trade in the summer it's the only time this, i think this has happened i think um it was one of the sentinel years it was the last time we did three um because that's three is insane y'all we have like 90 people sign up three project files a person what the fuck ever um maybe maybe but anyway i finished in like 15 days I had, for whatever reason, I had no problem banging out those stories relatively close to my goal word count. It was like, boom, 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 they're done. And then I was so disheartened because I had written myself out of the challenge in 15 days, I think. 
maybe it was a little longer than that. But it was, I had at least 10 days left to sit around twiddling my thumbs. I was really irritated. I'm like, next time I'm pacing myself, <laughs> this is so irritating. And it was the only, I think it's the only time I've, I've done the short story one where I had such a clear vision and I banged them out exactly the way that I envisioned them. And they were just done. I did one, did the other, did the next. And then I was like, I was like, but but I'm done and nobody else is and I'm unhappy. I'm not participating anymore. So, you know, it that wasn't particularly challenging, but that was a that was a rare one. I wonder if Kira knows that she's muted. <laughs> Sorry. I was just like, oh lady bladder, you know. It happens. It happens. Um, but sometimes, sometimes the challenge is not challenging. Sometimes it is agonizing. It's the agonies of the damned, you know. So, uh, but I think anything you get, anytime you participate in a, in something where you have a deadline and where you have parameters, it's a challenge. Some of them are loose or looser than others. Uh, some of them are a giant pain in the ass. <laughs> it's like, why did I do this to myself? Why did I think I wanted to write 16 fluff stories? Why did I think that? But, um, and yet, but, you know, sometimes you figure out the things you don't want to do by trying to do them. <laughs> it's the best way. You don't know what's going to, what's going to, you know, punch you in the face until it actually punches you in the face. Right. And, you know, as much as I... I loved doing the feeding frenzy. I loved the end product. I loved the experience of writing with that group of people. I loved it. It was great. There were still times when I was trying to wrangle getting that 100K plus finished. Why I went, why am I doing this to myself? Why? Why? Like, why? You know, it's not anything anybody did. It wasn't about that at all, right? It was about why am I doing this myself? Because it's hard enough to get, you know, myself um, pointed in the right direction to get something finished, but to get 13 people pointed in that direction and to get it all posted. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why. (laughs) Why you hate me to yourself. (laughs) You have that moment. You have that moment of going, why did I think this was a good idea? And sometimes you create a challenge or, you, you know, we have a theme in Rough Trade and you get to the end of it and go, why did I think that theme was a good idea? Why did I think I was going to enjoy writing in a single point of view? Right. Um, I don't think I thought I was going to enjoy it, but I really didn't think it was going to be a problem. Until it was. And I think that I, if I had it to do over again, I would have um, chosen a different story to tell. I think the story that I chose to tell um, was really complicated and um, it had a lot of moving parts and a lot of motivation and um, I feel like there are parts of it that would be clearer if I had more than one POV. But um, getting through it was challenging but um, I'm not unhappy with the final product. Just if I had to do it over again, I would have picked something else. Something probably not involving a triad as well. Yeah, something about it seems like that with a triad, it's with a, with a duo, it's easier to do it, tell it from one person's point of view. But you know, with a triad, it's like that becomes too much mystery about what's going on with the rest of the relationship, right? So, but yeah, I mean, I'm not unhappy with Darkly Loyal, but if I had it to do it over again, I would have told a different story. 
Whereas, I mean, that one worked really well for me, but there's been other challenges that have not worked as well. Because um, some challenges are going to suit you and some challenges are, are not. And, th and, that's, and that's okay. Y'all, that is really okay. You don't have to find every rough trade theme to your liking. You really don't. It's okay. We've had people who were like, I'm still going to do nano, but I don't, I don't want to write to that theme. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to do what I'm inspired by. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be writing along with y'all. You know, I'll be, I'll be over here on the writer's table back when we were on Facebook, or I'll be over on um, Just Write, cheering you guys on, doing my thing with you. And that's fine because if it's, if it's more important than to write, than to, to put yourself in a lane that you're not comfortable with. If you, like when we did the Battle of the Five Fandoms, if you really, really, let's say you were a, um, I think those were all TV shows, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you really were a, like a, somebody who only does movie fandoms, right? Or you only write anime or something. You might have been like, I just don't want to, I don't want to pick up one of those fandoms. I'm not interested. That's cool. But you could have also done the episodic challenge and just done it off of Rough Trade. So, um, because it's never about forcing people to write things they're not happy with or ignoring whether they're inspired to write. Each challenge on Rough Trade is structured around um, skill building and um, genre exploration. So that's the goal. And the short story challenges in, in, um, in July are really about your craft. Because the short story is fast becoming a um, is fast becoming extinct um, in the um, in the American well just in the fiction genre altogether, um, and it's also becoming a, a, a lost art. Uh, crafting a short story it takes a lot of forethought and work, and um, to, to do a really good one that is that has a beginning, a middle, and an end that feels complete when you read it. Even if you want more, it's it still feels like you got a story out of it. And that short story format, um, in the wake of million word fix on um, archive of our own, or you know, a four hundred k novel. I'm looking at you, George R. R. Martin. Um, writing a um, a short story is just just a lost art. Fast becoming a lost art. Which is why July is often the challenge, the, the challenge most many people find the most challenging is because um, all, because a lot of fandom writers are write epics. You know, they write novels to epics. Although for the people who tend to gravitate more towards short writing anyway, um, there's this weird thing because it's sort of like it's like there's the people who are like the epic writers and then there's the, like the 2 to 5k writers and neither of them are happy with July. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something really awesome about writing a short story. Um, it is nice to, it honestly, it is nice to finish a rough trade, to finish in a, you know, whether it's a few days or a week or whatever, and just be done and just be done. Yeah. Like I finished, I finished something. I may not edit it anytime soon. I may not post it, but it is, it is finished. Ta-da. And there is really awesome about posing a finished work and go, I'm done. But also writing a short story is the um, is the gateway to writing a really successful episodic series. Because every story in Sentinels of Atlantis is a short story. 
every episode is a short story. Which is why I hope that a reader can go in and just pick up their favorite one to read without having to read the whole series and not be lost if they haven't read it in a while. That was my hope when I designed it. You can go in and read an episode and not feel completely lost if you haven't read the whole damn thing in two years or three years. One of the most read episodes of Sentinels of Atlantis is The Queen. Like, it has double the amount of reads as, as any other episode. But that episode's about Miko. But it could be because uh, people have asked me often what my favorite episode is of Sentinels of Atlantis. And I always say The Queen. And so that's popped up on the podcast a lot. So people could be going to read it because of that reason. Um, but it, yeah, it has double the reads of any other episode of um, Sentinels of Atlantis. Roddy does that early on. Like the first time he encounters a race. And then Miko does it in The Queen. Now Roddy does it on purpose and Miko does it out of desperation. Um, there's a lot of work. Let's talk, let's talk about the work that goes into um, a rough track, like uh, just in challenges. Um, there's a lot of work behind the scenes that goes into maintaining sites, to keeping the databases clean, to keeping the plugins up to date, to keeping the posting interface clean uh, and functional. Um, when you when you sign up for Rough Trade, uh, I go through a process where I add your categories to the database, I add your tags to the database, um, I um, I have to prep your account so you can be a contributor, and later on so you can be an author when the challenge starts. Um, so that takes about four or five minutes per person who participates in Rough Trade, and that's at the outset. And then of course there's a moderation burden during the the um, um, challenge and most of the time the entire admin team um who is handling the moderation of the comments are also participating um in that respect we do a lot of work in the front end for quantum bang and then when it's ready to post just the posting part we get the posting done and then it's like <sighs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it was it was really awesome to be done and to have it all out and um to see everybody coming to read, you know, that was really, um, really gratifying to see people reading and responding and commenting. So that was great. That was really awesome. One of the reasons why I put a, um, I used to let rough trade run until the next challenge. Like you could continue to post whenever you wanted. But one of the things that was happening is like, it was like, it was never ending. It was never ending in my mind and it was really stressful. And so I started putting, um, a limit on it. So five days after the challenge is over, posting ends. And, th and there can be no outside posting. Um, the first year I ran it, I closed it today. Like the day after the challenge ended, I closed it. But now I have the, um, there's a five-day grace period between um, the end of the month and the closing of the actual writing. And, and having that limit on it has been really helpful. And I think if I hadn't put that limit on it, I would have been considering whether or not I wanted to run three challenges a year because it was like never ending. It did feel like it just, it did feel like the first, cause the first time um, that we closed posting, it was like, Oh, Holy crap. It felt like the challenge was done. Right. Like it was just, it was done. And, um, and it was like, it was nice. It was nice to be done. Um, so, but I mean, the thing about whether you're whether you're participating in challenges, um, like the first time I participated in a fandom challenge, I was just like, um, 
all in. I was like, I, nothing, nothing bothered me. Everything, I was going to take everything at face value. And I don't know. I was, I was kind of like starry eyed and happy. Like, oh, I'm participating in Fandom Challenge. This is so much fun. Um, but, you know, the more you do it, you become a little bit jaded. You go, this is a pain in the ass. Or um, these this, these rules annoy me. Or why does it have to be so limited in this fashion? Why can't, why does it have to be um, on this list of pairings? Or, you know, why is, why is every show in this franchise acceptable except for this one? Um not that I don't agree that Scorpion sucks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but it is part of the NCI universe, and uh, NCIS universe, and you can't ignore it. <laughs> right, right. Um, and why? Well, and I don't mean that. I don't. And actually, that that was just a random example because I. But I did. I was in a. I did participate in a challenge once where one fan, one show in a in a in a franchise was excluded. Um, and you know, and it's like, and you, you weren't allowed to question it. You weren't allowed to question. Well, why is this one show excluded? Um, and, and really, you know, I found out later it was just because the person running the challenge hated that show. Um, and you know, and sometimes people do run challenges because they want to run them in the most exclusionary way possible. They want to run it to be their little. Pr they want to. I feel like sometimes what I'm seeing is they want a list of fic by the end that is to their personal taste and that they are getting I've a bunch of people. That. Yeah. Yeah. That. They're, they're getting a bunch of people um, agreeing to participate, to write fic to that specification. And if they want to do it and people want to buy into that, that's fine. Um, I'm still not your fic bitch. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like a, I like a broader, um, I don't I don't like I don't like being quite so hemmed in. But you know, some people want a lot of rules and structure. The problem with a lot of rules and structure is that you spend a lot of time answering questions. Um for the quantum bang, I spend a great deal of time answering the question, is this a fix it? Um and you know, the the definition of a fix it is so it is so broad. Um, we've given, uh, and the thing is, I tell people over and over and over again, um, you need to understand what you're, because a lot of times I'll ask people, well, what are you fixing? And they can't articulate their fix. I'm like, then my answer is no. Because expecting me to find what you're fixing, I don't know what your intention is. I don't know what you didn't like in canon or about that character. Um, so it, whether or not it looks like a fix it to me is you don't want to leave that decision up to me because I might just say no, <laughs> because you're not fixing any of the things I didn't like. <laughs> I mean, true though. True. Because like the thing is, is Jilly has a, uh, I actually, when we first started, had a very restrictive view of what a fix it was. I still kind of do. And I'm, I'm like, well, that's not a fix it. <laughs> that's just my personal opinion, right? I'm allowed those. That's not a fix it. That's not a fix it. I'll go over to AO3 and judge a shadow people. You're not fixing a damn thing. I don't know why you used that tag. <laughs> what the fuck are you fixing? I feel like you just made it worse. Um, I think you just set the whole planet on fire. That's not a fix it. <laughs> if my character is dead, it's not a fix it. You can't have a hobbit fix it and all the Durans be dead, you fucker. That's right. The whole purpose of hobbit fix it is to save the Durans. Didn't you know that? Didn't they teach you that in fandom school? But the thing is, I do have a I I've tried to I've tried to approach it pretty broadly, uh, as broadly as possible. There's sometimes somebody describes something and I go, I'm sorry, what are you fixing? 
Um, but the thing is, every time I've talked to somebody and I said, what are you fixing? If they can articulate what they're fixing and why it's a fix it to them, I go, okay. That's all that matters is that you can articulate what you're fixing and that you execute on your vision. Um, because you have to be the advocate of your own writing. You have to understand. But to just give me a concept and say, is this a fix it? I don't know. I, we did explicitly rule out a few things because we asked that you work with some element of canon. Some element of canon. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be canon compliant whatever that means. It doesn't have to be canon divergent, but there needs to be, it either needs to come from canon or work into canon because the point you're exploring ripples, right? What are the ripples of Tony leaving NCIS? That starts in canon and leaves. What are the ripples of um, on NCIS canon of a new character coming in to the team? Explore that, explore what it would do. It's about exploring ripples, right? What are the ripples if your character, um, falls through a dimensional portal and uh, maybe it's not a character, a fix for that character, but when they land on the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, maybe it's a fix for something going on in Star Trek land. So my point is, is that people need to understand their fix. They need to advocate for their fix. And if they can, then I'm going to go, okay. Unless they're telling me that these characters have no foundation in canon. Like, you know, oh yeah, th these are just the NCIS characters and they're in the Star Trek universe and they're born in the Star Trek universe. I'm like, okay, that's an, that is, as an alternate reality AU, it, it, everything's an AU, but an alternate reality AU, mm, no. Yeah. Um, so th there are a few things that just, but it is really relatively few things that, that don't work because I wanted to give people a broad interpretation and allow them to broadly interpret what it meant to fix things. Um, so, but the thing is what happens then is either way, whether you have a lot of restriction or very little restriction, people, some people really want a lot of clarity. They want to be sure that they are within, in the rules. They want to be sure they want you to tell them explicitly that what they're doing is okay. Um, I want to read a fic where Tony goes on vacation and they get a temporary agent and Gibbs head slaps them and that agent goes to HR and accuses him of physical abuse. Okay. <laughs> so Tony comes back, Gibbs been fired. Oops. Or forced to retire <laughs> because he's physically abusive. I'm not mad at this idea. <laughs> Just... Yeah. It popped into my brain when you said Tony leaves NCIS. And I was like, well, what if Gibbs leaves NCIS? <laughs> Can we explore that? Just permanent leave? <laughs> the hell that happened when Tony went uh, on vacation. Um, here's the thing. People have asked why. I have had people ask me about something about the challenges, whether it's about rough trade or whether it's about um, quantum bang, is why can't you just make it completely open? You know what happens when you make a challenge completely open? No restrictions, no word count, no theme. No one participates. Nobody participates. Um, that I've seen that. I've seen that. There's there's no theme. There's no challenge. There's no and people just they don't they don't show up. No one participates. I mean that's what I think. We actually did have an open. Let me go to my let me get my database out because we actually did have an open challenge early on. I have a database where I keep all the rough trade data, like who's participating, what they participated in, their title, their fandom. Um, 
what the theme was. Okay, so our first two challenges in November 2011 and November 2012, we had um, no specific theme, just 50K. It was a nano challenge. Um, we had 24 and 21 participants. Then in 2000. 13, I did nano again with a no specific theme and we had 36 participants. In 2014, I did a soulmate challenge, 50K in November, we had 77 participants. So once I started structuring actual challenges and where things were like, okay, we're going to do this or we're going to do this because it picked up. Participation doubled. And part of that could be wor word of mouth, but the thing is, but it, that's, da that's data point does bear out my personal experience is that the less structure, too much structure, people won't show up. Too little structure, they won't show up. And how do you strike the middle ground where you don't alienate participants, but you also don't give them nothing, no framework? Um, and there are some people who write great without a framework, but I would say most people who gravitate towards challenges don't don't write great without a framework. They want something to spark the idea, whether that's the theme of the challenge or the fandom or whatever, right? So um, people who want to write an NCIS story, they might gravitate towards an NCIS bang or an NCIS uh, gift exchange or whatever, if they want to write team will think, because if their inspiration is around a particular fandom and they want to write in that fandom, they'll gravitate towards a challenge that at least is defined minimally by the fandom. Um, not many people gravitate towards just open-ended challenges. Um, the last one I participated in, it was pretty open. The only requirement, the only requirement was the stories had to be 100,000 words. There was no theme, just 100,000 words. There were a lot of people who signed up. I think two people finished. Hmm. Two. They had a year. 100,000 words is a lot. Not everybody can can bang out a 100,000 word story. Um, I didn't cross the finish line, but it wasn't because I didn't have 100,000 words. I didn't cross the finish line because I didn't finish. Because I can, I can do 100,000 words. That's not a problem. Um, sometimes it's stopping. <laughs> so basically, 100K over a year is rounded up to the nearest decimal point is 274 words a day. It's 273.972, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's 274 words a day. That's very doable. Yeah, it's doable. But it sounds it sounds very. But it's not just a matter of the word count. It's coming up with an idea that is a hundred thousand word idea, which sometimes is the biggest stumbling block for some people. It's like they get yeah. to eighty. One lady got to eighty k. She's like, I I can't put anything else in the story. It's done, and she's only at eighty k. Um, eighty k is a long novel, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. If she only um, knew me, I could have wrote her some court scenes. Um. I think a 100K challenge with no theme not only doesn't sound, um, it's not daunting, but it doesn't sound very interesting either. Like, I, I need something to hold on to. Right. And I think most people at least need some minimal to kind of, like, get their brain to fire, you know, in the right place. It's They need some level of... Uh, some, not a ton, but some level of structure. 
in the in the challenge, whether it's um, beyond just a word count, which is why we didn't want to just do an, a, a bang that was no theme. And fix it is like one of the biggest tropes out there. So, or genre. Yeah, also, while we it. said 50K, because 50K was about honoring the original. Um, the original how I was I was a little frustrated about how all the, I used to participate in a lot of bangs that were 50k or 40k or whatever to start and then they they'd whittle themselves down right so there was this one bang that I was that I was or participated in um and it's I think the first time I did it it was um I want to say a 20k minimum something like that this is not the NCIS bang it. It's not even anything I've got on my site. The next time it was, um, the thing is they had really good participation, but I guess despite the fact that they had exceptional participation, there was a lot of complaining about this word count minimum, which was pretty reasonable. I want to say it was like 20K, maybe 30K, something somewhere around in there. Um, but there was, a, despite the fact that they had a lot of participation, I mean, people crossing the finish line were in the 60, 70 people. Think about that, folks. Think about 70 people finishing a bang. They got complaints about um, the word count. And so they lowered it to, I think, 10 or 15 the next time. And I was a little confused. Like, why did they lower the word count? I didn't have a problem with the word count. I'm like, okay, they're trying to be more accommodating. Um, they had fewer people cross the finish line. They still had a lot. They still had a lot. And I guess there was still complaints about that word count. Um, the next time I saw it, it was I didn't participate the next time, but I think it was 3,000 words. The last time I saw it run, and the last time it was run, the minimum word count was 1,000. 1,000. And they just kept whittling that word count down because of people complaining about the word count. And um, I mean, if people want to run a bang um, at... Um, if they want to run a bang that's at twenty thousand words or ten thousand, that's fine. Whatever they want to do, I don't have. I don't have a problem with somebody write, running a three thousand word bang. I don't care about that. What was interesting to me actually was the dynamic that this started at a higher word count, and it got whittled down from complaining. And as it got whittled down, participation dropped. Um, here's the thing: the people who complained about the word count weren't going to meet the word count. They were never going to meet any word count. So they should have been ignored. The only reason why that I did, I decided to kind of open up the nano experience during November was about encouraging other writers and also offering accessibility because um, there are people who physically could not do 50 K in a, um, in a month. That's like a physical issue. And I wanted to give them a, a chance to participate in nano in a way that was physically comfortable for them to do. That being said, 50K is still on the list. And for me, Nano is always going to be at least 50K. Unless, yeah. you know, unless my physical um, issues with my hands becomes more difficult. But I have never, ever listened to the complaints about word count from people who don't actually even participate. Like, I actually had this woman who bitched at me. Every challenge that I put out in 2017 and 2018 because it didn't fit her. Um, she just didn't like the theme or she didn't like the word count. She didn't like the theme. She didn't blah, blah, blah. It was just too short. Finally, I, I wrote her. I said, you have never, ever, 
ever participated in a rough trade challenge. Why would I take any of your complaints seriously? You've never even tried. You don't even have an account as a reader. You're just a whiner. There is zero participation from you. You've never commented on anybody. I mean, you're just there's nothing there. So why? Why should I pay attention to you? She hasn't emailed me since. And I can see that somebody having that kind of experience you know, running a bang and getting bombarded with these ridiculous complaints about having to write 25k in a year and it is ridiculous by the way the thing is is not every challenge is designed for every person and if you can't meet it that's don't that's, participate it's just that's on you and if it takes you two years to write your quantum bang that's fantastic because we'll have it again next year and you can sign your ass right up <laughs> It will always be a fix-it. If it takes you two years to write your fix-it, that is fine. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's fine. You don't even have to tell us. Just keep you it a secret. <laughs> you don't have to tell me how many... And the thing is, here's the thing about the secrecy thing, right? I'm just going to put this out there. Y'all, For y'all who, who screw up and mention like the title of your story or whatever... um. Don't tell people, oh my God, I can't believe I told you guys the title of my quantum bank. What's the matter with you? Don't tell people that. So I'll tell you. Now you need a new title. <laughs> I mentioned the title of a I, I mentioned the title of a story I was working on. I didn't mention it in association with the quantum bank, but I did mention the title of a story I was working on on the podcast one day. Okay. Here's the thing, and that's my quantum bang. And I thought about it later and I went, Ugh. and since I've mentioned many story titles, this is not giving anybody any kinds of clues but i mentioned it it's out there and so i was like so i have to put a, a, a temporary title i'm not changing the title of my story not permanently but for the art claims my story is gonna have to have a temporary title it won't say untitled it's gonna have a different title that i'm going to then later change and i'm going to tell the artist yeah i fucked up i gave i gave the title of my bang out over the air um so yeah so i had to use a temporary title but the real title is this um but if I had gone, oh my God, that's the title of my quantum bang. I can't believe I did that on the air. Don't tell people that. Because <laughs> nobody makes it worse. <laughs> nobody will know. There is a, well, the thing is, nobody, how would anybody know? How would anybody know? They won't be able to make any connection to the story. If I don't actually use the title in the art claim, nobody's going to know. Um, last year, leading up to the quantum bang, I actually talked about my quantum bang plot on the podcast several times. Did anybody know? No. Because she didn't call herself out. Because I didn't say this is my quantum bang. And I made sure my summary didn't reflect anything that I had ever talked about of that story. But I see people start talking about something they're working on. And they figure out, oh my god, I'm talking about my quantum bang. I shouldn't be doing that in public. I'm like, quit telling people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, don't tell people. And also the beauty of not telling people is if it doesn't get finished by the deadline and you have to do it, you have to save it for next year. Um, no one knows but you. Right. Literally no one knows but you. No one has any expectations unless you give them expectations when it comes to your quantum bang. No one even has to know you even signed up unless you tell them. One of the reasons why we wanted to keep the, um, we were trying to, like, part of the secrecy is, and the um, the way we do art claims, is to prevent the um, hurt feelings that Jilly saw happening in other bangs. Um, and I, 
I hope that we accomplished that. That people weren't getting upset about how the art claims were working or, you know, because there had been issues in the past with other banks. I mean, I've seen it. I've been there. Um, it It is a... Um, oh, the thing is dark. Someone will remember. Someone will remember. There are people who remember some random thing I said on the podcast four years ago. There are some people out there with exceptional memories. I envy them. I really do, but somebody will remember. Um, that looks familiar, Jillian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Shut your pothole. Could someone who is uh, proficient with uh, Discord help some of the person in the Ask, Ask the Admin channel who's having some technical difficulties? Because I can't, I can't do the podcast and, and help somebody at the same time. Thank you in advance, whoever goes up there to do it. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, when I did the channel, some, when I thought about some of the things I've seen that have been difficult, uh, that part of became part of what, let, let's find a way to not do that. Um, there was, I mean, and I've seen authors get really, really hurt when, it, when they're watching the claims happen, you know, um, and their story isn't getting picked. And their story isn't getting picked. And it really is, it's, it's crushing, right? Um, it can be crushing to, to see you, something you put this, this effort into. And it's, I've seen friends go through this. It's like people aren't picking their story. They're, they aren't picking their story. And it is tradition for, for these claims and things to be anonymized because they want to avoid that culture of where everybody's clamoring to, to do the art for the, the popular authors or uh they're trying to get the popular artist or whatever so th- these things are traditionally anonymized so it's not like we you know it's not like we reinvented the wheel with the anonymous part of this whole thing that's bang tradition um but people would just be really 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 hurt that their story or their art wasn't getting picked um that nobody wanted to to do it and um i've also seen cases of where it's like you know, like with art claims and a reverse bang, it's like we're not proceeding until all the art is claimed. Um, like they wouldn't release the matchups until all the art was claimed. And it's just just the rules are just like they're almost it's almost like they're designed to hurt people's feelings. <laughs> um and so that you're the artist there that's holding up because your art is so unpopular that nobody wants to claim it. I mean, how does that feel? Uh so we said, I said, I just don't want to do it that way. I don't want to do it. And I'm not bashing on pe- the way, pe- way, way people run their bangs. I'm just saying that it's it's rough. I've seen authors just in tears because their story didn't get picked by an artist or um, artists who are upset because their, their art wasn't claimed. And we wanted to avoid that. We wanted to avoid all of that. And that's why we did the... Um, I don't, I don't, the thing is, I don't know that it, I don't know, it, because it's anonymous, I don't know that it's high school level bullshit. I don't really think that it, it is high school. I think it's a case of, I worked really hard on this and I really want to participate. And part of the bang thing typically is the art, it, not always, a lo- I would say most bangs will allow you to, to submit without going through the art process. But the matchup of art and story is really traditional in bangs and um oh you mean the clamoring for the popular writer artist yeah um and the thing is it isn't i i'm not gonna isn't stupid it isn't stupid because it is hard 
when it's out there, right? You, there's 20 people, 30 people participating and people have claimed, the artists have come in, they've claimed the stories and I don't blame the artists. They picked up the story they wanted to do art for and there's one story left or two stories left that aren't getting picked up. And there's no mechanism for handling that and how that's handled. And people are like, well, what is, what is so off-putting about my story that nobody wants to do art for it? Um, I was really pleased that no one, that none of the artists guessed which story was mine, and my artist was really fucking surprised to get my story. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's you! I was really, I was really happy that I flew under the radar so hard. But it helped that I was basically in a new fandom and I had a brand new pairing that no one had ever read from me before. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that uh, when it's your writing, it is very personal. And part of the process for the writer is that they finish, the, or at least they've gotten some percentage of the way there. And now um, an artist is going to come and, and they're going to take the story and they're going to read it and they're going to interpret it. It's, this is the traditional model. And, and they're going to come up with art for your story. And some people have never had art for their story outside of a bang, ever. And sometimes the first time somebody's ever had art for their story is in a bang. And especially for a first-time person who's so looking forward to having art for a story, I've seen people, like, cry the first time they get art for their story. Because it seems like to some people like a fandom rite of passage. And that may seem stupid to some people, but to some people it's very important. So I think it's important not to minimize how important that is to some people. And I just wanted to try to create an environment in the bang that didn't put anybody in the position of being hurt like that when it was completely avoidable it was completely avoidable um they do have pinch hitters yes and the thing is we do have pinch hitters behind the scenes and so like um there are some artists that for instance um if i'm having a hard time with getting a matchup I go behind the scenes and go, look, I need to get this story matched up. Can you guys, is anybody, you know, who can take this on? And there are people who have told me in advance that they're willing to do an extra story or they're willing to pick up the slack. And um, so last year we had every story was picked somewhere on someone's list, right? So in every, the artists were submitting three to five choices of the stories they wanted. Every story was accounted for in someone's list, but we, because of the way it falls out, right? With the first come, first serve thing, one story wound up falling through the cracks. Like the last person to get a story did not have that story on their list. And so I needed to do, I need to get a pinch hitter there at the end to, and I didn't release the pairings until I had all of the art matched up. So everything was matched. Everybody had an artist. And it was done, in, and it was done anonymously, it was done in private. So people weren't seeing what was, what was languishing. So that no one got picked last in gym class. Right. And if, and if, if you, you know, if you're rolling your eyes over there, um, thinking that that's stupid, um, that's fine. If you're the person who wouldn't be bothered by that, that's fine. But it's, I mean, don't disregard everybody else's feelings. Cause there are people who do get really get their feelings hurt. And it's not, um, you know, it's not cool to call them juvenile because they found that process hurtful. Sometimes fandom is just, hurtful in general i mean so, so, there's there's writing is a very personal endeavor sharing your writing um is personal um and separating yourself from that from that disapproval of someone who doesn't like your work takes some work um and then 
but the other side of it is when you're participating in a challenge and you're part of a group, um, you don't want to be outside of the group. So if you're like, if your story is in the public, not and and, and you know you haven't been chosen, you've kind of been like you're not in the group. You you feel like you've been exiled a little bit in a weird way, right? And so we didn't want that on the quantum bang. We wanted to create a um, very inclusive group experience where um, that kind of clickish um, or weird ass behavior doesn't happen. Yeah. We just wanted to avoid that. I didn't want anybody to get their feelings hurt over something that I could do a small thing and avoid. And that's why the claims are anonymous, right? People submit. We ne- what happens is comments, are, the, way, the way they're anonymous is comments on the site are moderated. And we just never approve the comment. I, 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 write, I check off what story they got. It goes in the trash. Comment never gets approved for public consumption. So the only people who ever will see those comments are the, the moderation team, right? Who will not discuss what's going on. They're people I've picked to be the moderators who will not discuss what was going, what goes on during the art claims. Um, so we'll always, if there's something we can do to avoid any a writer or an artist getting their feelings hurt, if there's anything we can do to avoid that, um, we'll do it because. Creative endeavors can be intensely personal. It's not just writing and, and art, although fan art, although that's where, what we're um, focusing on for writing challenges. Um, whether it's painting or um, drawing or, you know, whatever. You just, that's a very, they can be very personal, very intimate. Um, and there could be a lot of feelings wrapped up in it. Whether they're logical or rational is irrelevant. I'll tell you the flip side of this. I was doing a reverse bang once as an artist. And I think, I don't remember if I did two or three pieces of art for this reverse bang. I don't know. I don't remember. But um, one of them was actually my favorite of the three. My favorite of the three by far um, was the one. It was the one piece of art for the reverse bang that didn't get claimed. And it's sitting out there. I think here's the thing. The reason why I kind of give this anecdote is I actually didn't care because I was like, "Oh, my favorite is the one that didn't get claimed. I can write it. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just if it doesn't get claimed, I'll just take it back. I, I didn't mind." And also, I will also I will say that for me, I enjoy doing art, but it is not as personal to me as writing. So, um, I didn't feel like the last kid picked on the playground. And also, it probably also helped that the other two pieces of art had gone quickly. So it's like, whatever. So maybe that one wasn't claimed. But it, the thing is, the, the claims were very open. And um, I could see that it was actually a bunch of people's second choice. <laughs> it's like, you know, it was probably like half the field's second choice was that piece of art. But everybody, all the people got their first choice. So it just wound up being the one that was the straggler. I honestly didn't care. Honestly, I didn't care. But the admin was so worried that I had my feelings hurt. And the thing is, it's just up there and they're stalling out on the matches because nobody claimed it. And I wrote her, I said, just take it down. It's fine. I don't care. She says, no, 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 no. I, no, no, no. Some, somebody's going to step up and claim it. Somebody's going to do it. I, there are some people who are just watching. If it doesn't get claimed, they're going to do it to make sure all the art gets claimed. I said, I don't want somebody claiming it just so that we can have a, you know, the the whole field cleared. That's crazy. Okay, just take it down. It's fine. I don't mind. Um, and in the end, somebody did, you know, 
um, take it and claim it. And they wrote a great story for it. Um, but it was a, um, I've been on that side of it, right? I know what it's like to be the person who's sitting there going, and actually for me, I wanted it take, I wanted to take, take it down and move on with the matchups, the art matchups. Cause I was like, the only horrifying part was the being the person that it was stalled out on. Like, oh my God, it's stalled out. On, this whole process, this whole process is stalled out on my art. Uh, can we not? <laughs> right? I actually didn't care that it didn't get picked. I cared that it was like sitting out sitting out there like, you know, the drunk uncle nobody wants to sit by. Um, <laughs> I would have been bummed. I would have been bummed. But I wouldn't have got like thrown a hissy fit or anything. No, I just asked her. I said, can you just take it down and move on? I don't care. I'll write a story for it some other time. Or I'll resubmit it next year. Or something. I just didn't care. I just wanted it to... I just wanted the agony of that thing sitting there to end. I was like, y'all, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like... Um, yeah. I do like that, like... Um, some of the people and on the right a couple people on the writers uh just right server they run um a multi-fandom bang and reverse bang and they make sure that the ar artists know ahead of time for the reverse bang that um that there's a chance that the art won't get claimed and that if it doesn't get claimed that it will you know it, they'll be returned to them and they can resubmit another time but especially since they do allow any fandom and the art is made first Sometimes artists make things that are very niche, you know? Um, and if there's not an author that happens to be into that pairing, it now they did wind up with everything getting claimed, but it, it is a situation of where, it, and they recognized, they recognized ahead of time, they saw the pitfall that it being any fandom and any potential pairing could mean that they would get some, some art for stuff that, that that there wasn't an audience wasn't a writer for that was signed up um and so they just warn people ahead of time you know it might happen that that not all, all the art gets claimed so we will let you know if that if that situation and you, you know if you don't want to submit knowing that that's fine um and that, i think that's a reasonable way to run it if you're trying to have the that broad of a reverse bang a very broad reverse bang is a very difficult thing to do um a spreadsheet anyway running a very broad reverse bang is a very difficult thing to do it's actually a little bit harder than running a very broad bang um i would not want to do a big giant very broad i mean honestly and honestly the idea of a reverse bang gives me a, a lot of anxiety <laughs> because like what if what if they do the art and the, and then someone claims it and then no one does a story <laughs> it's just like you didn't finish your story, but you claim the art, and I can't be mean to you about it. <laughs> yeah, right. I, that is a frustrating part. Is it the story? The story tends to be the long part, right? It takes a lot longer to produce a story usually than it does to produce the art. Um, now that might be well, different. I don't even know how long it took my girl to, to no make my art for, for, for. I was like, what? What but where mean? where it's different is like sometimes in stories where there's like a three thousand word limit. If somebody actually literally turns in three thousand words, the artist might actually spend more time on the art right. than it was in the story. But the thing about reverse bang is that 
in the bang, right? If the story is done, if, if, they, if you don't do the claims until the story is basically done, if the artist flakes out, you can get an artist to come in and fill in the gap, right? You can get another artist to come in and do the art in a, in a relatively short time period. Um, we did have one artist drop out at the last minute. Actually, they didn't drop out. They just stopped responding to emails. And Fashion, who's on the podcast uh, tonight, stepped in... Um, like a boss. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, y'all... Fashion's aesthetics and mood boards are their next level. They're next level. <laughs> I love getting an email from fashion. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. <laughs> um, so, you know, and we had people step in. Um, we had actually, we had another pinch hitter too. But the thing is you can get somebody to come in in a week or two and do really nice art. If you've got art that the author drops out at the last minute, how are you going to get a story written in a week, right? And that's where what winds up happening in these reverse bangs is that there winds up being usually a provision for like, let's say you've got a 20,000 word bang. There'll be a provision for a pinch hitter to come in and write a story at the last minute, but it'll be 3,000 words. I just got to tell you, I, if, and this is no judgment to the people who run the challenge that way, but as an artist, I'd be offended that someone's phoning in a 3,000 word story because the person who claimed my art flaked out i'd rather my art be removed right next year than for, than for that to happen right um so and that's just my feeling about it but i just there's so many more inherent problems inherent with the reverse bang in terms of the logistics in terms of you know authors dropping out at the last minute is is a lot more catastrophic than an artist dropping out at the last minute because the art just is not typically as long a process as the writing is it's not that, you know, one's better than the other. It's just the time, the time. It's a time involved in writing, editing, you know, all that stuff, baiting, getting I final mean, draft. I think I put over, well, let me look. I will just look because I have it. I will, I will go look. What the hell was that? That would be MCU. Well, I'm gonna look at my rough draft. This is just my rough draft. The hours put into my rough draft. Just for reference. So my rough draft of Unleash Your Demons was 115K. And statistics wise. Now, for, for the record, I never leave my Word documents open unless I'm working on them. Because that's the road to corruption. If you leave your Microsoft Word document open and you leave and you go have dinner, you come back, <laughs> your shit might be in Klingon. I mean, I just sometimes you just can't leave Word unattended. It needs a babysitter. It's just my personal experience. I don't leave my Word documents open. So I spent 31,000 minutes on the rough draft of Unleash Your Demons. Then I went through two betas. So 31,228 is my minutes divided by 60. That's 520 hours. 24. That is 21 days. 21 straight days. On my rough draft of Unleash Your Demons. I don't know how. I mean. I would yeah. not want to pinch hit in a. Um, because that would, I, I would feel like I wasn't delivering. What was deserved. Because so I put a lot of effort into that shit. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> is that ridiculous? Is that a ridiculous amount of time? I mean, it's I mean, 115K. 
I mean, it all depends upon um, how long the story is. The longer story is, the more... It's not like it's... If it takes you five hours to do a 3,000-word story, it's not like it's going to take you 10 times that much to put out 30,000 words. There's some sort of exponential curve the longer a story gets. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just... <laughs> For good or not for bad. a bad in a day. Would it be great? It would honestly depend on um, how much time I had to prep for it. But it would also depend on, um, like, you get the art. Like, you, you're pinch hitting, and you're like, well, what if it doesn't, what if you, you're writing it just because you're a pinch hitter, right? Mm-hmm. It, it may not have been something you would have chosen because maybe it's not a pairing you typically write or maybe it just doesn't right. maybe it doesn't have thematic elements in the art that you find that usually work for you so you're basically coming up with something to fit the art that you might not have chosen for yourself so it i wouldn't say you're phoning it in but you're maybe forcing it in i pinch hit did for a makeshift out challenge for Christmas, I think. Um, and I had like a week and a half to deliver. And that story was, they, they wanted um, a mind fuck or a dystopia. Um, and the, uh, I agreed to pitch it before I got the whole request. Right. And I was like, Oh God, that is like so out of my wheelhouse. What am I going to do? Um, and I wrote in the blood for that challenge. I mean, sometimes, sometimes these things work out. They work out they work out really well, but it's still um, a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's harder. It's just, there's, there's a lot more issues to me from, from, from doing both sides. There are more logistical issues with a reverse bang than there are with a bang. And I just didn't want to deal with those issues. That's just, and honestly, just from a writer perspective, and this is just my personal opinion. I don't actually find reverse bangs all that interesting as a writer they don't really i I think it depends upon if as a writer you find visual prompts to be particularly inspiring and i i tried to but i'm not always successful it's sometimes it's hit or miss right i can't just pick up any visual prompt and write something because sometimes i just sit there and stare at it and go and there have been times in the past where I have claimed art um, in a reverse bang. And because I thought it was beautiful. Because I thought it was beautiful. And then I just was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this. And I just sit there and, and stare. I had decided I wasn't going to participate in the Every Fandom Reverse Bang unless I found art that I had not just found beautiful, but that I found inspiring. That it actually I had an idea that I thought went along with it. And so, and I did, and I got came up with duty of the living. So sometimes it works out and sometimes you just stare at it for (sighs) weeks and months and go, I should be done with my story now, but I'm still staring at this art. It's beautiful, but I have no ideas. (laughs) I mean, I think that I would have to go into it with already an idea. Like if I had an idea I already had on the burner and I saw art, oh, that fits my idea. But how often would that happen? (laughs) Well, I mean, usually you've got days or sometimes even a little longer. Usually there's several days in a reverse bang to look at the art before you claim. Um, And like I said, if I didn't have, I had the plot. I I was plotting Duty of the Living while I was waiting for the the claims. I'm sitting there. And if I hadn't had an idea, it's like solid by the time the claims came around, I wasn't going to. And usually you have to submit a a claim for like three things. I'm like, I can't. I got one. I got one. 
I got one. I did wind up doing two stories for that bank, but um, um, but anyway, I I I was like, I had one piece of art that I was really had an idea for, and it was T.K. Benjamin's. Um, it's beautiful art. It is beautiful art. Um. But that's just based upon my past experience with some people are very inspired visually very like they see it they can go oh yeah i can do something with that i'm not one of those people um i can appreciate the aesthetics of it and find it beautiful and then just languish with no idea and i don't use the word language lightly but it fits there was there was languishing <laughs> There was languishing. Um, Don't judge me, Kira Marie. Mm. Someone um, asked me recently if we would ever do a reverse bang on Quam Bang, and I said no. <laughs> no. No. I find the idea of it very stressful. Because Quantum Bang does have a theme. Um, so combine that theme, a reverse bang situation, it just seems like... <laughs> just, I, don't, I think that's just too much, right? That's just too much. I don't know how that. I mean, how do you how do you how do you have a theme? How do you incorporate a theme into art? I don't. I think it would skew towards people, the artists, um, deciding the main thrust of the story. Because, like, my first thought was fix it. Okay, I'm gonna need. I like if I was gonna do an aesthetic. Clocks. I need clocks. Because <laughs> you know, I'm like, I need a time travel image. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, like time travel over here, <laughs> and I'm the one that's literal. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, but that's where my brain went. Okay, but I would say I'm an artist, so and that falls into it too as well. So I mean, the thing about the thing about the intellectual masochism is when you're sitting about and you're going to participate in a challenge, because there is there really is an element. <laughs> of intellectual masochism in all of this and creative masochism too. Um, Cause it's at some point in the challenge, it, there's, there's a high probability that you're going to be going, what the fuck was I thinking? Um, is what do you, what do you want to get out of it? Is it worth the pain in the butt? Is it worth the hassle? Um, how are you going to feel when you, if you're doing a challenge and nobody claims your story or nobody claims your art or how are you going to feel if you're doing a reverse bang and uh, your art okay so you're uh, the story you get the story back from the artist and you go what does this have to do with the art how are you going to feel are you going to be able to deal with that um and if the answer is if if any of that if it seems like that kind of stuff would throw you off it would really throw you heavily off your stride or something it's just it's worth considering is this the right thing for you um if when it comes to running your own challenge or running your own bang there are gonna be times when you will really want to rip your hair out where you'd be like why am i doing this why did i think this was a good idea why did the version of me in march hate me so much <laughs> What did I do to pass me to make her hate me? What is wrong she with you? Up for this challenge. What is wrong with you, Jillian? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Why you hate me? <laughs> I never been nothing but nice to you. Look at this shit. Um, fifty k is challenging, Dream. Um, it is uh less challenging for me 
in private that is like on a, in a rough trade situation where I'm posting my rough draft daily. Um, I'm very invested in the novel structure. And sometimes during rough trade, I have made mistakes that I had to live with, with for the rest of the month. Um, because I didn't want to go back and edit what I'd already posted. I'm talking about you, Avery. Um, not a mistake, but I plotted a penguin. I pantsed a penguin into my potted story. And then I had to go back in the rough draft afterwards and insert him into the narrative. Um, but his appearance during rough trade was very abrupt. It's like, oh, there's a penguin. There's a penguin. And so I had to go back in and thread him into the narrative during my rough draft. I mean, after my, you know, during my second draft. And so it was just like it was, I should have realized I needed that element sooner. Oh, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, when I was zero drafting, that would have been great. Um, but sometimes you don't know what you need until you're in it. And when you're participating in rough trade, it can be really frustrating sometimes to to realize halfway through your narrative that you've that you've stumbled onto something you know, that you stumbled on something that you needed that you fumbled a penguin it's like, why couldn't i have seen in advance that i needed an emotional support penguin i mean don't we all really need an emotional support penguin well point point but you know pantsers stumble too rogue I mean, I would actually think it'd be a lot more comfortable to pants in private, as weird as that sounds, than it is to pants in public, you know, that the quantum bang might be more comfortable for a pantser than something like rough trade, where if if you stumble and what do you do? You just you're like, oh, I just tripped. I just tripped headlong into a plot hole, an enormous plot hole. <laughs> oh, I don't think I can get out of this plot crater. <laughs> Holy shit, it's quicksand. Uh, I'm dead. All those um, TV shows from the 70s were right. Quicksand's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there have been times I would be like, I was reading something on Rough Trade, and I'm like, huh, I wonder how they're going to get out of that. And then they never post again. <laughs> I was like, maybe they're not. They're maybe, not they're not. maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. And the thing is, when it's when it's in private, you you trip, you fall. If it's for your quantum bang... You go back, you fix it. Nobody knows. But when you're on rough trade, what do you do? Now, I have I have seen people who handle it actually way better than I ever would. They go, I screwed up back on chapter two. Just ignore all of that. <laughs> ignore everything there. This is, this is you know, the, at this top section should be the, this is the details you need to know that should have been revealed in chapter two. I mean, they take the rough draft part of it seriously. And actually, I applaud them for that because that's what, that's what, it's supposed to be like that, right? It's like, we're showing our asses to the world here. But I have a hard time with that. <laughs> I mean, I have stumbled and failed epically on Rough Trade in public. And it's just like, look what you did, Kira Marie. Look what you did. I uh, I would say I've had two two major failures in rough trade on Publix. I was like, oh, I'm going to bed. <laughs> and that would be um, during the shifter challenge um, and um, synthetic. Synthetic remains, I think, my biggest failure to date um, on rough trade, which really sucks because I wrote a lot about my process and on my website. I, I posted all kinds of documents and showed everybody my process and what I was doing. And all through that, I never realized what I was fucking up until I was actually in the writing and like, Oh, this is, I, I, I fuck me. <laughs> Look what I did. 
fuck characters aren't even recognizable. What 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 is this bullshit you have done in public? That's just the way it goes sometimes, though. But it is a form of a weird form of masochism, isn't it? You go, why do I do this to myself? And it's because you love it. It's because you love the writing. It's because you like writing alongside other writers. You love it. That's why. But there will be that moment, new people, when you're going to be going, what was I thinking? You were thinking you love it. You were thinking this is your passion. You were thinking that maybe, maybe sitting at this table with other writers will be the thing that gets you up tomorrow and gets you writing instead of, I don't know, playing ta- playing township. Um, you know, I'm speaking to myself. Uh, so whatever, whatever it, whatever your motivation is, whatever your reason for doing it, we all have our different reasons. There are going to be times when it's going to be like, I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. Um, I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to write in this challenge. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to run my own challenge. There, there are other challenges people could do. I don't need to do this. <laughs> oh my god, I can't take one more time. That what's wrong with you? That that happened to me in April of um, when the, when we did the Harry Potter challenge and there were eighty one signups. I thought, is this is this the challenge where I'm going to have to limit participants? Because I've never had to do that before. And I think for me, my hard limit on participants is probably a hundred. And we were at 81. And I was like. That year we did three. Rough, three Sentinel stories in the summer. And we didn't expect so many people to sign up. And. Um, we, we did talk about limit stopping. Cutting off signups on that one too. Because. Yeah because there were. Okay I, I can tell you. It was three short stories. We had 71 participants. And each one had three categories. And three tags. So that's 143 no no times three Wait. that's two 200 and oh 213 oh god yeah I, I me and math 213 god jesus christ how did we get through that <laughs> but that's why that's why there's not three in july anymore is because right. of that yeah we were doing three and it was like nope we're just cruising along and we're like oh there's like 70 people sign up and then i was I checked, I sent a Kira and I said, you realize that's 210 project files, right? And I think we both kind of like had a simultaneous like seizure. I was like, what? We can't. Oh my God. And that's when we were still doing backend posting and it was like, mm. approving all those project files was. And we, all, and we didn't have as many people. Usually there's, there's, there's always enough a certain number of people somewhere between like two and 10 who never do their project file. They sign up, they don't do their project file. That's fine. I actually sit there going, I, I hope a lot of people don't, don't turn in their project files. We, we actually only had like, I think two or three flake out. I was um, like, I'm scrolling to that database to check. Like, damn it. Why did everybody have to turn up for this one? <laughs> I'm still scrolling through this list. Like, how dare you guys be motivated? <laughs> we had one, two, three, four, five. Only five. Only five. Five. So yeah, so there'll be, so there's like, just like, why are we doing this? And like, y'all, with the um, the Quantum Bang, we had a blind spot. We thought, we thought people handle the front end posting on Rough Trade just fine. They'll do this just fine. 
not considering the fact that not everybody who participated in the quantum bang had ever had anything to do with rough trade. <laughs> so there's a bunch of people who don't know anything about WordPress, who've never used WordPress. And it was fine. It was fine. I didn't mind helping people out. But it's the thing is, and like, I, I promise, and people will be assuring me, it's like, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll do better next year. I'm like, why should they do better next year? Because if, if, if the quantum bang is the one WordPress thing they do a year, they're not going to remember this stuff next year. But, the, but in the end, that wasn't even the real problem. What we, what I didn't consider is the, the different environment that the quantum bang was. Because these people were going in there and saving their drafts, you know, for and we were doing pending posts. And um, some of these projects had 30 and 40 revisions. Yeah, well, well, that became an issue of the database. But yeah. in terms of the logistics around posting, it was a hot mess. And it, it wound up being a blind, because we can clean the revisions out every day if we needed to. But it became a blind spot for us because Except I wanted we didn't to, know we needed to. <laughs> well, we didn't know we needed to, right, until it took the whole site down. Because, um, yeah, you take 2 million words and you have 40 copies of it in the database. The database didn't like that. <laughs> It was like, bitch, no. <laughs> um, so, uh, someone said in the chat room that um, WordPress, they know WordPress and HTML. Um, WordPress doesn't use HTML, it uses CSS. Well, but it's not a really. We have a lot of people. We actually have some people who are web developers. It's sort of, a, it's not really the point, but there are people who don't use WordPress. It doesn't matter how many people do, there are people who don't. And for a once a year challenge, them trying to learn WordPress and trying to remember it is sort of like uh, unrealistic. It is unrealistic. And, and honestly, um, if people were trying so hard, but sometimes I would spend eight hours helping one person to get their posts done. Y'all. So this year we're just going to do it ourselves. It we're going to do all the posts ourselves. It'll be quicker. Um. Which is, which is, um, it's fine. It 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 will it will be it will be quicker because people don't need to pick up a new skill in order to do something one time a year. Yeah, <laughs> the art for the artists especially they aren't going to see much difference. But um, um, but in any case, people's web proficiency doesn't mean that they're going to be able to immediately jump in and handle. Um, some people will be able to handle the posting interface. Um, even people who are proficient in WordPress, some of them struggle with the posting interface that we use. It's and not the same, yeah. Because it's, it's not the same as what they're used to. And that's fine. That's and fine. also there are some people out there, and I don't know who you guys are, um, using Gutenberg. <laughs> who hurt you? <laughs> who hurt you? Um, and so I don't use... Um, yeah, yeah, Rogue. I'm, I'm I'm talking to you, Rogue. Who hurt you? Um, I actually saw a plugin to disable Gutenberg because hell no, hell to the no, never, never. Anyways, I will fucking learn Joomla before I will use Gutenberg. <laughs> I'm just saying. She may have feelings about this. Actually, I do too. I, no, <laughs> Gutenberg is a posting interface in WordPress, Rogue. Um, I don't mean the Gutenberg project. Okay. We don't like it, Rogue. We don't like it. It's terrible. 
Also, I'm not sure how compatible it is with the front-end posting face, but one of the reasons why we removed back-end posting from Rough Trade and why it was never an option on Quantum Bang is that some of these people cannot be trusted with the power that is inherent to the back-end posting. They don't need that kind of power. They do some crazy stuff. Not intentionally. It's not like they intentionally go set about trying to destroy the universe, but it happens anyway. It's like, what did you do to the site? And how did you do it? You don't actually have permissions to do whatever that was. I, I mean, how did, how did you get there, honey? How? And also, we wanted to keep um, writers from seeing the comments unmoderated. Because it was just demotivating. Because some people are assholes. Yeah, because some people definitely are assholes. Um, but the front-end posting is it is more user-friendly than the back-end posting. Um but still, for some people who who don't do WordPress at all, it doesn't matter how easy you might think the front end posting is. It's it's something new and strange to them, and so it's a, between the admins and the and the moderators. You know, we got it. We'll, we got it. We got it unlocked. We'll get all those posts done. It won't be that big a deal. Honestly, we had to edit all the posts anyway. Right. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Well. <laughs> we had to go behind it, behind all your asses anyway. It's okay. It's okay. I don't remember why, but there wasn't a single solitary post we didn't ultimately have to go into. And it wasn't that people did anything wrong. But there was something. I don't know. There was something maybe that we didn't we didn't think about. I, I don't remember. What it was there, but there it. there was a reason why we had to go into every single post and. Uh, oh oh, I remember we had mark we had markdown languages turned on, and it put all that weird ass code in. Yes. Um, and yes, we had to turn off the markdown and we had to go in and, and, and fix everything. I remember it was terrible. It was a terrible time. It made me want to cry. Anyway, so whatever whatever you want to do, if you want to run your own challenge, you go run your own challenge. If you want to run, if you want to do a writing relay, you go do a writing relay. If you want to do a bingo, there's all kinds of things that you could do. There's all kinds of things you could do as a participant. You could go, there, there are a lot of bingos. I would say bingos are very popular again. Um, I think they fell out of kind of fandom fashion for a while because they were popular for a while, like way back in my fandom days. And then I didn't hear about bingos for a long time. Then all of a sudden, bingos, bingos, bingos. Um, the first one I ever saw was kink bingo. And I was like, I saw a card and I went, nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the some of the things they put Ooh. on kink bingo, I'm like, whoa, nope, that's not a kink because like they'll put non-con on a kink card. I'm like, that's not a kink. That's not a kink. That's gross. That's a crime. Or they'll put incest on a kink card. I'm like, we have a really different definition of kink. <laughs> um, yeah, we define kink differently. Um. Honestly, Senna, if I posted a bingo collection on um, AO3, I'd post it as a um, in a single thing. Really? Different Probably. chapters? Different chapters of the oh, same I mean, story? Maybe like a series? No, but she's talking about different chapters of the same story. Oh, oh. No, I, no, I would do it as a series. I would do it as a series too, but it's... There's this, there's this thing. There's this trend. It is a trend that's been going on for about a year or two. Of people putting unconnected stories in as chapters in a single work. I hate it. We hate it, Precious. We hate it. Oh. I won't read them on principle. I'm like, no, I don't. And somebody said, oh, there's this the stories 8, 12, and 14 are fantastic. You have to read them. I'm like, fuck that. 
Not do no, it. Not, not going to do it. Not going to do it. And there's not a single fan in my reading that doesn't have these. So I'm just like, nope, mm -mm, not reading it. That's not a chapter. That is a short story that for some reason has been cobbled together into 400,000 words of I don't know what the fuck. Is that about kudos building? It feels like it, but I, you know, it's hard for me to put that on people when I don't actually know what their motivation is, but, um, I'm Southern. I'll make assumptions like a motherfucker. <laughs> if I don't know your behavior, I'm going to assume. <laughs> so you feel free to put an author note up say, I'm not, I'm not putting all these into a single story to, to get extra kudos. I'm doing it because of some, Go ahead, tell us. <laughs> we want curious. to know. I am curious. Um, but the thing is, yeah, there are, maybe if it was like, if it literally was snippets, like three or 400 words, maybe. But that's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing stories up to 10K, short stories. Usually, I would say two to 5K is the average. Is, is and I not see. even in the same fandom. No, 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 no. I mean, if it's not kudos building, it's just laziness. Well, I think some people do it because they see other people doing it. Um, but I don't know why the first people who started doing that started doing it. I just honestly hate it. Because what happens is I'm looking for stories, like, in my mind, like, the best of a particular pairing or whatever. And I'll get this thing that has got 50 fandoms. And it's, like, coming up as, the, like, in the top 10 searchers, top 10 of the search results. And it has it has nothing, it has no bearing whatsoever and I'll like be looking for long stories, like stories over 15K or something or over 20K. That's not actually a long story, but whatever. I usually tend to go 50 or over when I'm when I'm first, you know, and, and then I'll if I don't get a lot of results, I'll lower it. <laughs> okay, fine, 20. <laughs> Let's not mention any specific stories, okay? Um, I don't want to call out anybody specifically. So, um, yeah, so if I'm looking for a long story, I think I'm getting a long story and it's a it's 200 or 300 or 400k it's 40 chapters of 10k stories that are all separate they're all separate i'm like i hate that this is in my search results because this is not what i want to read you know but whatever people can do what they want to do i do think it's a little bit viral i think people see somebody else doing it and so they think it's a good idea and so they do it but i guess one way to to can you limit fandoms and say you only want results in this fandom and you don't want crossovers no, but what you I mean you could say don't include this fandom, don't, but it's probably just exclude each fandom one by one. God, that's disgusting. So you can't do I only want Hannibal. You have to not, not really. I don't think the search you have to do it the reverse. You way. can say you only want Hannibal. The problem is if you say you only want Hannibal, don't you get does don't you exclude um don't you exclude like Hannibal all media types? Yes, the problem is is that what the, I don't think I don't think the software is sophisticated enough to be able to like let's say um, people go in and they write Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, they also will tag it for Marvel all media types. They'll also tag it for each of the fandoms: Iron Man, um, Captain America, da da da. So if you exclude, if you say no crossovers, well, you have just excluded everybody who multiple tags for the basically what amounts to the same fandom. It's it just doesn't work. That sounds really annoying, actually, just across the board. It might work better in something like Hannibal, where maybe you don't care if you get the all media types. You don't you don't care if you're getting the book any kind of the book canon. But see, a lot of the the uh, a lot of the TV show writers 
do use some book canon elements. And so they'll tag the book canon, the book fandom. And if you exclude crossovers, you just excluded those right off your list. I mean, but sometimes you don't want, I mean, some crazy ass crossover to pop into your search results. I don't want to give any specifics. I think it was the only one. I was like, how the fuck? How, what the? But it's like, what the fuck is that? So I clicked on it. And I, what the fuck for 15 minutes before I closed it. Because train wreck. What I really would like to do is to be able to forever ban character slash reader from my <laughs> from my search results. That's just me personally. <laughs> It'd be great if we could have like a set of search things that we typically do. Um, that we want to exclude consistently. You know, like like you know, preload that I don't want, I, you know, cause I have all of the different ABO tags, you know, that I have to go in and punch in every time I do a search result. Cause I just don't need that. I don't need that negativity on my search results. Yeah. A, um, um, ABO, non-con, second person. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Those are not equal in my mind, but <laughs> I just hate second person so much. Yeah. Please don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. It's so weird and invasive. Don't tell me when to come. <laughs> You're not my dom. <laughs> You're not my anything. Go away. <laughs> Stop trying to talk me through your fic. I'm not, I'm not on board. <laughs> yeah, there often are multiple tags the same thing. And sometimes, sometimes the tag you're ser searching for, the thing that you are, uh, you think that it's not tagged for its major thing. It's tagged for everything else, but it's not tagged for its major thing. Like, um, it'd be like a Tony Leaves story that's not tagged for Tony's Leaves. But it's tagged for something like Tony's fed up with this shit. It's like... Every NCIS fic should be tagged Tony's fed up with this shit. <laughs> and Eli's A-plus parenting. <sighs> Eli. Yeah, global preferences would be nice if you could just say, I never want to see, you know, underage, ABO, non-con. That would be awesome. I, I would really appreciate that. Let me take this meta tag out and let me just say, I don't want any of the, anything with this warning. I don't want, but part of the, although sometimes the issue with like excluding like something like rape is that, um, then half of the Teen Wolf stories that you might actually want to read are that excluded from your list because they're putting rape in because of the past thing with Derek and Kate. Right. But it's like, okay. So, yeah, you got to learn the, the oddities of how a fandom generally approaches tagging. And each fandoms tend to seem to kind of develop their own little conventions. <sighs> Although I can't call some of what goes on in Teen Wolf stories a convention. It's a something, though. Isn't that right. the fandom with the dead dove don't eat? Or is... No, that's... um. There's that's actually all, all, all fandoms have... You'll find that in all fandoms. But I think... um. I do see it a lot. I see it a lot on Hannibal stories. I If, if, if I see dead dove, I'm not going to touch it. Because Julie told me not to. <laughs> so take that seriously. <laughs> when they're telling you... It's like... They're basically saying... I told you, you know, I told you what was in the tin. If you clicked on it anyway, I don't want to hear your bitching. I told you not to read this. I told you right in the damn tags. Anyway, in terms of intellectual masochism, challenges are whether you run them, 
or whether you participate in them, it is an exercise in intellectual masochism. It's also can be very, very rewarding. Um, if you're going to run a challenge, I would just encourage you to really think about the kind of culture you want to engender in your challenge. Um, if you want it to be super exclusionary, and if you do, that's fine. You do you, boo. Um, it, you know, kind of how you want, what, what kind of, what kind of culture do you want to, to be around what you do? And, um, and, you know, stick to your guns about what, what you want your challenge to be like. If you really want to write, uh, if you really want to do like a, a, a very fandom specific challenge and you want to just, you know, have writers that are as passionate about that fandom as you are, you don't, nobody, you don't need to let anybody talk you out of running a fandom specific challenge. I will, I personally don't find fandom specific challenges weird. I find, you know, these six completely unrelated fandoms and only these six completely unrelated fandoms. I find that weird. I do. I just find it strange. It feels like it is the um, challenge runners um, list of preferred fandoms and they, they, they're just hoping to get a bunch of fic that they'll want to read. I, I, I don't have any other explanation for that where you get like a list of like six or seven fandoms that are acceptable. I mean, I honestly wouldn't participate in that. I don't need I, that I, kind I, of um, oversight. I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> and my mom only did 12 hours of labor for me, and I don't like her reading over my shoulder either. I think you know any amount of labor doesn't equal the right to read over my shoulder. <laughs> Darks, I'm with you. Nah. Nah, nah, dog. That's a no for me. Fortunately for me, my sister was the difficult birth. So I am like, mom's like, you know, you know, your sister was such a dream to give birth to. And, you know, you were breach. <laughs> I was, my, my, my mama went into labor with me on one day. And she delivered me at 20 minutes to midnight the next day. Oh, so she was in labor with me for over 24 hours. She was not impressed. Now, however, you'd think, you'd think that I would be the one that she'd be given the horrible childbirth story to. Uh-uh. It was my brother. She was in labor with him for, I think, uh, well over a day. And then all of a sudden, fetal heart rate plummeted. And they had to start the cesarean section before they got her under, before they got her numb. Oh. <gasps> yeah. She had a C-section without any anesthesia. At least the beginning of it. Oh, my God. I'd have been like, punch me, punch me. <laughs> Knock me out. <laughs> so when we have the discussion, whenever we have the, do you know what I endured for you? It's, even though she was in labor with me for over 24 hours, it's my brother that gets the, do you know what I endured for you conversation? I'm like, <laughs> Your sisters were amazing. You, I had a major surgery with no anesthesia. <laughs> it's like I gave birth in the 1700s. <laughs> so catch this though. The thing is, my brother, my, the, my, my brother was not coming out. My mom actually is, she is very, um, she's kind of got a very petite bone structure. For all that she's five foot eight, like her bones are like, the, she's got like the bones of someone who's like five foot one. She's got a very narrow pelvis and all of her babies were over eight pounds. So this is not a good combination. Um, and they had to pull me out with forceps. So 
um, the doctor just kept telling her because she she actually she's like a size like 14 today when she was pregnant with my brother. And her doctor was just a, just a jerk who told her that, you know, the reason he wasn't coming out was because, quote, my mother had a fat vagina is what he told her. Um, so be bearing in mind my mother's delicate bone structure that I just mentioned, my brother was over 11 pounds. Did that motherfucker need to be kicked in the face? Yeah. I mean, she, she literally could not get him out. He did not fit. And he was two weeks early. I mean, that that's actually malpractice. Mm -hmm. <sighs> wow. At 11 pounds, they probably should have pulled it. They probably should have scheduled a cesarean. They would today. There's no the, way that little baby gets that big. Well, the doctor, the doctor told her that, oh, he was a normal sized baby. It was her that was the problem. And then he, they, he comes out and he weighs over 11 pounds. And they're like, huh. I guess he's not a normal sized baby. I would have cussed that. <sighs> And that his, motherfucker was, his head was like 22 inches or something like that. His his ears would still be ringing from the cuss out he'd got for me. And my brother, when my brother was six months, six weeks old, he was bigger than the six month old babies. Wow. And wow. he's he's, he's uh, normal. He's normal. <laughs> he's normal. Um, but he was just destined to be big. He's six five now. He's um, only a giant. <laughs> she only gave yeah. birth to a giant. It's okay. He's normal for his species. There's there's your perfectly normal giant, Mama. <laughs> yeah, he 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 was a big baby. He had a big head. I mean, for all that he was huge at six weeks old, whatever age that babies start lifting their heads, like add like two months to that for him. Oh, bless his heart. Bless his heart. <laughs> he was just he was. Yeah. Can you imagine the nurses in the, in the nursery going, "Oh my God, did you see this giant baby? Why is this six-month-old in here with the infants? That's an infant. That was born yesterday. <laughs> Look at that enormous child. <laughs> when he was only a few weeks old, my mom put him in. You know those little, those little like those little uh, seats that they put babies in. You know, little, little like you know, like I don't know what they call the carrier, the carrier thing. You put babies in, right? Uh -huh. Well, baby's feet are not supposed to touch the table when they're in. He's in. He's he's like like three weeks old, and their feet are not supposed to touch the table at three weeks old. So she sit, has set the carrier on the table, and she didn't realize that his feet touched the table. And he's sitting there pushing with his feet. He flipped himself right off the table. <gasps> oh my god! I hope he was still buckled in. Oh my god! He, well, he was, but he landed on his head. Oh well, bless his heart. <laughs> It said it was quite big. Because <laughs> he didn't fit in that carrier, let's be real. Oh, that's... It explains a lot about what's wrong with my brother. So, yeah, it has runs in your family. Yeah, yeah, it does. Oh, there is no way they'd let your mom go that far today. Tw 12 pounds at three, and three weeks late. You'd have been getting a cesarean probably. She'd have been getting a cesarean long before then. Yeah, you owe your mama all the flowers. Did she push you out? <laughs> 12 pounds? Did she push you out? Did she push you out? You better your be really nice to that woman. Your mama's a Spartan. <laughs> you tell her we think she's a boss. When we say come home with your shield or on it, she came home both with her shield and on it because <laughs> pushing out a 12-pound baby is no mean feat. She came home with her shield and her enemies, too. <laughs> She comes home with her shield. I put a 12 pound baby on this shield. <laughs> but 
I don't know how we got here, but anyway. Yeah, me either. Sometimes sometimes we just meander to strange places. Writing challenges. I um the first time I did um what is now today rough trade, it was on um a WordPress site. Um that on wordpress.com and it was called naked nano and um we um we did we didn't have a theme but we did have 50k i think there were 11 or 12 of us more than i anticipated i didn't think i honestly when i did it i really didn't think anybody but like you know lady holder would participate because <laughs> she was like so i required to <laughs> um but no i mean like you know she had to participate. I didn't volunteer. She 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 volunteered. She was part of that process. Um, but I really didn't think there would be a lot of participants or a, a, a lot of attention on it. So it was really um, nice to get that many. And then we just kind of grew and grew and grew and grew. And then finally, I was like, I was at the point where we're actually, I think we're a little bit too big already for what WordPress does. So I need to move the site to something else because this is not going to work for us long term. Um, at the time, it was really difficult to add contributors to a personal WordPress blog. And so it was just like it was really difficult and irritating now it's really easy go figure um but um so having the um and also it, it allowed me to do things that i could not do on wordpress.com um because we could not do front-end posting on wordpress.com uh so there's you know you, you can't have um you can't have plugins on wordpress.com so a lot of the things that we enjoy on wordpress like our um our forum our front-end posting um, and all that stuff is is because we have our own website. Um, you could have your own domain on WordPress.com. It's, it's not required that you self-host for that. Um, I mean, I did I did appreciate WordPress.com because I did get a lot of free stuff out of it, and it was really it it, it served my purposes at the time. But we outgrew it, and um, that's not a bad thing. It's just this is the way it is. Um, I highly recommend that anybody who wants to run a website, um, if they don't want to do um, all the work on the back end that's the best thing they can do is go over to wordpress.com because they'll they'll handle it all for you i run a fairly large site on wordpress.com to this day it's called slash world and um i think i have 22 or 23 contributors on it and um, it's a fanfic rec site and um, it's not a big deal it, it takes care of itself. I never have to worry about updating plugins or anything like that. And adding participants is really easy now. Um, the software has changed a lot in, the, in, in a decade. So, you know, it's pretty easy. It hooks up really well to the WordPress site, pay, the, the Facebook page that um, advertises the, the Rex. Um, I don't have to do database ma maintenance on it. So, I'm, you know, it's really, I appreciate it. <laughs> I have a mod team over there that, that does it. That handles it, handles the, the format and all that stuff. And so I really appreciate WordPress.com for what it is. It's just, um, I like forum spaces. I don't want to ever run a site challenge-wise where participants have back-end posting because none of y'all need that kind of power. <laughs> I love you, but y'all don't need that kind of power. <laughs> I remember one person broke my theme. She broke my theme. I was like, how, how did you break my theme? I go to the, the posting, um, the category page was broken. 
the um, the page that her or her post was broken. Like it, like it. And I don't know how, because I asked her, and she was like, "I don't even know what that is. I don't know how she got this HTML code into her post, but she did. Um, and she didn't even she didn't even have the first fucking clue what she had done. And so I had to clean off all her posts. It wasn't you, wasn't you, Rogue? <laughs> I wasn't trying to call you out. Okay, no. <laughs> okay, oh, I, I I didn't think it was you, um, but it was it was a disaster. She even broke the header of of the post that she was like the like the page header, like the site header where you have where you see rough trade. Even that was broke on the post. Bless your heart. There was somebody. I don't. And it, this wasn't rogue. I don't remember who because we never showed it to them. Um, you, I, I. We were both looking at, at posts because we it was I think it was when we did that two seventy. There were so many project files and I was looking at some and you were editing like we one of us was the top and the other was the bottom and we were working our way to meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounded kind of perverted. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. Julie and I like to meet in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> we do that often. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, and um. I was like, I pr- I did a preview on this one post, and I was like, I don't know how they did it, but they got the entire site to they. I don't, like I said, I don't know what they. I went and looked. I looked at the code, and I couldn't figure out how they had managed to make that mistake. But they got the entire site to render in a table cell. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, what the actual fuck? I was like, how does this even happen? What did, what did they do? No, this was not. I mean, Word has its we, own junk code. This was not it. We paste from Word all. Yeah. We paste from Word all the time. I, I'd say the vast majority of our writers paste from Word. Um, although, although I say that go uh, that Google Docs is worse than Word for that. Google Docs creates total. Although the worst is uh, Open Office. Yeah, that's Ugh. pretty shitty too. As far as like God. junk code that gets pasted in, but no, whatever they did, they put the whole damn site in a table. The site was rendering in the cell of a table, and I was like, and like there were weird things, of course, that weren't rendering. But like the header for Rough Trade was like in this little teeny tiny space. I'm like, what the hell? And somehow all of the everything was in the table cell, and like every the site somehow was rendering in the table. And I was like, I don't think that's the way that's supposed to work. I don't even understand what this code is. I don't understand what it's doing. Um, um but I think that that was a. Uh... That was an exploit in a previous version of WordPress. Now, the writer didn't do it on purpose, but there was like, there was something in her that was overriding the site template, which I don't think is possible now. I think that was an exploit in a previous version of of, uh, WordPress. Like, I'm, I'm talking like four or five versions back. Not like the points, but like the actual version. This was this happened what, like five years ago, four or five years ago, two thousand sixteen, ish. Yeah, it was it was quite a while ago. So it was. So, but yeah, we had to copy and paste her whole her, all, all her shit out of her post. <laughs> it just into a, I, into a text document to fix it because it was just like I had to find her actual content and rebuild the post and delete that. I was like, what is this? I don't, I don't understand what's going on. It was just, it was so strange because we've had some strange things happen, but you know, we just, we just roll with it. We had somebody once post, oh, this is for the quantum bank. They put like a hundred thousand words into a single post, which was, you know, this is just a misunderstanding about how the posting would go, but they somehow managed to put it in a pre-tag, all hundred thousand words rendered on one line. 
if I hate anything more in the world, it's the pre-tag. Uh, and I know how pre-tags happen by accident. I mean, there's something. It's just I get I get how it happens. But I'm like, I go to look in the preview, and it's like it's just one line that's just scrolling on for you know infinitely. I went fucking pre-tag. <laughs> pre-tag. <laughs> pre-tag is a hundred, and I go and I. I copy everything in the code, right? And I go put it in a document so that I can get rid of this, you know, and make sure that it's all okay. And it's a hundred thousand words. And I went, holy crap, there's a hundred thousand words in a pre-tag. In a pre-tag. Someone asked me um, what I use as a writer. Um, I am currently an Office 365. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Sixty five subscriber, and I actually really appreciate it. Um, I like it that I can have it across machines. I have a laptop and a personal PC, and um, I like the um, and I also like. I really enjoy the fact that currently Office three sixty five comes with one terabyte, um, of cloud storage. Yeah. Cloud storage, and you can't beat that with a stick. Free with Free. your subscription. Yeah. Um, I have, um, and I pay that much. Actually, I would pay that much just for the terabyte. I pay. See, I got. I have the five user thing. Um, yeah, I do I, now, It's, it's like a hundred dollars a year. So my sister, I have two computers. My mom, my dad, my sister, all, and then it comes with like ten devices as well. Mm-hmm. So like ten logins for mobile devices. So everybody mm-hmm. can have their tablet and their phone. Yeah, I switched even, to that after you talked to me about it because my my husband wanted to get on it, and he was had like Office two thousand seventeen. So we both upgraded. So we're running it on four machines. Yeah, so it, it's really, and the thing is, it is like I think it's like what is a hundred dollars a year, and each account gets one time that gets a terabyte. It's not yeah. just you. So yeah. if you have like five, each one of them gets a terabyte. Yeah. And but the thing is, if I've talked to somebody and they said I can't afford a hundred dollars a year, I said, well, can you find four other people who can each afford twenty dollars a year? Because if you know that's a hundred dollars, can you afford twenty dollars a year? Find four of the people who want Microsoft Word. I mean, I have to have Word professionally. I can't just choose to use something else. So, and I'm really, ha- out of date Word can be very. Ugh. I mean, you get all kinds of problems. Um, so, one of the first things I did when I moved to three sixty five is I opened up every single work I had in progress to make sure it was still working, like across versions. And I had some old documents that I, that were dot. DOC that I had never tr- converted and I converted them so that my stuff is safe. <laughs> the stuff is going to be safe. And yes, that did mean that I opened up all my works in progress of which I have a lot. Over a hundred in fandom and maybe double that in um, original work. Does anybody have any questions about um, either participating in challenges or um running a challenge because if not we can we can end the podcast and get some tea and pee there's a direct correlation between the tea and the pee um but i never get tired of the rhyme well i'm i'm willing to stay in chat but you know there's no need to start to um to to keep recording because we're completely off topic so if anybody has any questions that would be great and if not we'll um end the podcast it's funny how you think I haven't been playing Township this entire time. Right? I have harvested like 300 fields of... Mo- okay, that's a damn lot. I have uh, harvested almost 1,000 fields of wheat during the course of this podcast. <laughs> I'm making money. I just bought a factory and it cleaned me out. 
Anyways, we have our priorities. I'm at 99 of 100 rail cars. I are you fucking serious? I am serious. I've been busy. So if y'all have got questions, speak now or forever hold your parts because I'm not holding them for you. Put Ellie in the corner. I mean, just all right, she's such a, a behole. <laughs> As you can just go right in the corner, too. <laughs> so there. Anyways, I. <laughs> Too bad the sin bin doesn't trump mod. Yes, it does. Oh, it does? <laughs> it's fantastic. Okay. You guys have a fantastic evening. And um, uh, and I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and it was beneficial to you and um, all that jazz. Say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>